You're listening to Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. Yes, Greg Ballack, there it is. The moment in Top Gun that every guy dreamed they could do in the bar to serenade someone sitting close to them. Uh, this is uh, Craig McEwen, Bick and the Boss. And uh, the reason we're playing that, and we open up Don't At Me at 120, and, and Greg Ballack, our producer, uh, Greg, y- you have never seen Top Gun. Uh, you nope. compared it to Transformers, sort of, kind of, and a late don't at me uh, from Minor Mad. After throwing Transformers under the bus, there's absolutely no way the Autobots will protect Greg the next time the Decepticons leave Cybertron in an attempt to take over our world. Way to go, Greg. Way to go. Well, I guess I, I'm, I'm out if that happens. <laughs> That's it for me. You're done, Ski. You're yep, done, Ski. That's it. Listen, I'm going to give you some homework. You're going to go home tonight, and and you know your wife is going to love the movie. There's beach volleyball, <laughs> fighter jets. Karen action. Sermon said the same thing. I don't know why. It's 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 massive. So go home and watch Top Gun, and and you know we can get a report from you, a movie, uh, two thumbs up or two thumbs down. But enjoy it because I, I believe there is a sequel coming. Is there not? There is, and it's not out yet, which is uh, our inbox has told us. So I, maybe I should watch it because it's not that I, I hate it or I don't want to watch it. It's just I haven't got around to it. So maybe I should before Top Gun 2 Listen, comes out. I, I'm so old here. I, I just got texted by Randeep Jandu who said he hasn't watched it either. There you what go. is wrong with you people? It's Top Gun. It, it was one of the biggest movies ever. <laughs> Did it win any awards? Did it? I don't. Think it didn't have to win awards. <laughs> it, it was cinematography at its best. Okay. Great lines. Okay. Oh, I like a good action it, film. I've, I have a feeling I'm going to like it, but I just, yeah, I don't know. It I wasn't on the top of my list of, of movies to go watch next. <laughs> I guess it has right, to be we, now. <laughs> yes, you and Randy can be watched together. And, and hey, we're going to get Gene Principe on the line here uh, to talk all that's gone on in Edmonton. And I can guarantee, triple guarantee, that Gino has uh, seen the movie Top Gun in fact, you know, being the Italian that he is, he's probably got a great voice. He's probably tried to serenade someone uh, once or twice, you know, maybe his wife in the bar or at the restaurant, uh, because that movie or that move was just something that uh, most guys were like, wow, I wish I had the uh, the jam to, to break out in song, get the whole bar singing to, to try and win someone over. But yeah, lots going on in the world of hockey. Edmonton. Very busy, and and you know a lot of people here in Vancouver, especially <laughs> on Twitter, uh, you know, not overly excited with what Jim Benning did, and and the same obviously holds true at Edmonton with Kenny Holland, who had some tough decisions to make, makes a bold move up front, uh, has to retweak his back end. So we'll get into all that with uh, Gene Principe when he joins us here uh, on uh, Bick and the Boss with Craig McEwen riding. Uh, solo today uh, here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. And and in reality, I look at what Edmonton did, and, and the, the biggest thing, in my opinion, is what Seattle scooped in and got Larson and took him away. That, that to me, is the one that's the biggest move. So Gene Principe joining us from the uh, City of Champions, uh, Edmonton, <laughs> Alberta. Always happy to have you on, Gino. But listen, before we talk hockey, listen, Greg Ballack, who runs the board here, has never seen the movie Top Gun. So oh. I, I've been 
I've been trying to explain to him, Gene, what a cinematic masterpiece that was. What a what a, a, a we played the the you lost the loving feeling segment coming oh, back here. Like Gino, you, you, uh, you've obviously lived, breathed Top Gun. Yeah. I, you probably oh, yeah. even dressed up as a fighter pilot on Halloween one time, <laughs> trying to be like Tom Cruise. Well, who wouldn't want to be like Tom Cruise? I mean, other than a bit <laughs> taller. Um, I mean, Top Gun was one of those classic movies and. For all of us who would have been, uh, I'm thinking I'm like 17, 18 at that time, approximately, give or take a couple of years. I mean, yeah. Kelly McGillis was hamina, hamina, hamina. Like, she was, I think, I don't know what's beyond hot, but like, yep. she was that. Um, now, I'm going to backtrack a bit and try and say that a little more respectfully. Uh, she yep. carried herself in a real sort of classy fashion around these, uh, you know, Top Gun fighter pilot. Yeah, shirtless uh, beach volleyball players. Yes, that that was the part my wife liked a lot. Was talk yeah, yeah. Stuff. I mean, that was a great show, and I mean, it's amazing. Uh, you know, the the way that that show sort of. There's always, I don't know how many shows a decade do it. You know, uh, I'm Italian, so the Godfathers and you know, Casino yep. and it, those those you know mafia movies are always high on our list, particularly around the holidays. Um, but, uh, you know, if you, if you don't have a sort of a ethnic connection to a movie, uh, that one just played great for anyone and everyone. And that was a, it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic show movie. As my kids always say, it's not a show Dad. it's a movie. Um, <laughs> and so we have to, we have to educate the young. It's amazing sometimes too, like to my daughter, the other day, she goes, you know, what, dad, Three's company's not that funny. And I said, well, you know what? About 35 years ago, it was pretty funny. You know, we used to watch it, and it was <laughs> yeah. simple, but it was effective. So, uh, yes, of course, I don't understand most of their music, so it, it, it tends to even up. Yeah, it does. And and this one in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650 from Jeff Rowe. I sang that song that you lost that loving feeling to a girl in grade four. I thought she was going to laugh huh. at me, but actually she liked me. <laughs> I oh. didn't know what to do. That brings back memory. See, that was powerful. Think of how you know uh, much of a stud you would have been in the bar. Yeah, if you, oh, if you could have God. sang like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been fantastic. But yeah, that was a great show. It had so many movie. Uh, it had so many different uh, elements to it. And you know, there's a few along the way. I I the other day was watching. I like bathroom humor, stupid stuff. You know, and I was watching yep. that <laughs> Tommy Boy. Uh, and what Jeff Bridges is on the toilet. Uh, or they they kind of spike whatever was his food or his drink, and uh, Lauren Holly's waiting for. Anyways, I digress. Uh, you know what? Uh, I know people might think it, you know, it smelled a little bad around Edmonton during that last decade, but not anymore. They've not built anymore. a winning feeling. Yeah, yeah, That's I love right. that winning feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and let's talk about that winning feeling. Uh, were the Oilers winning, uh, as we do another old reference, uh, yesterday? Or how did you make out uh, what they've done here in the last few days, free agency and some other things that happened, yeah. obviously, in and around the expansion draft? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, uh, well, I, actually, I know so. Now, you you got to take what you've done normally on July 1st and now July 28th and transfer it to uh, to a game a season um i mean yeah the, you know uh they were able to get uh, i mean it hurt me to lose ethan bear ethan is such a, a kind caring uh compassionate young man who's 
uh, you know, for those that do or don't know, he, he, he had to battle through some stuff post-playoff after uh, people jumped online, as they normally do. What do they call it? Keyboard cops? Keyboard cops or Twitter toughness or whatever you want to call it. And people yeah. were calling him out for his, you know, Indigenous background, which, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at, the, at, you know, say the guy can't skate, if you like, say he doesn't have, you know, the IQ to be in the NHL. And I'm not talking about Ethan, anyone pick a sport you know can't take a free kick whatever but i don't know i i just never could understand somebody doing that uh so that just my compassion level for him went up a number of notches because he really is a role model for a bunch of kids and a bunch of kids who uh, look up to him uh, we did a, a hockey day in canada zoom call at the time we weren't doing anything but and kids just loved him uh, you know it was a group from uh, saskatchewan and uh they just thought he was great, you know. Um, so that, it kind of hurts me that they, they got rid of him, but that's just sort of the way things went. You know, you're signing Tyson Berry, you got another right shot D, and you get Cody Cece, and you got to have Evan Bouchard play, and you need, you know, Ken was quite adamant that he needed to, to get a top-line winger, Zach Hyman, and he needed to fill out his bottom six, and that's Warren Fogle. I mean, it's, I think when you're a fan, C-Mac, and you trade a player uh, like Ethan, and you have to potentially Google to see who the other guy is. And I don't mean, I know who Warren Fogle is, but I couldn't tell you that last year he had 10 goals and 10 assists. So that's what I'm getting at. Little bit of, yeah. a, a, a little bit of the info behind the name. I think a lot of Oilers fans would recognize that name. You know, you, you play Carolina twice a year. You haven't played them all last season. So, you know, there's a bit of a block they can Warren Fogle, you know, other than super bad and, you know, McLovin. That's kind of what people start are start thinking about. Uh, so I, I, I like the move. You know, the Oilers built their depth on the blue line so they could do this, and that's how they traded away Caleb Jones, albeit for a defenseman in Duncan Keith. But I like what they've done, C-Mac. You know, they got Zach Hyman, who's considered a you know a top six forward for sure. Warren Fogle, who gives them some size and strength uh, in the bottom six, and yes, he he can play up if if necessary. Uh, they signed Cody Cece, who kind of makes up, as I heard you talking about, Adam Larson. Um, so, yeah, you know, and you had Dunk. I, yeah, I like what he's done, for sure. You know, it's the old saying, are you better today than you were two days ago? And I would say, if you're Edmonton, yes, you you are. Because you picked up these players, and all you, know, all you gave up was, was Ethan Barry. You, you bought out James Neal. I know other fans kind of looking at the, the, you know, between the pipes and, I, I'm going. I'm I'm good with Mike Smith. I mean, I just think this guy is, you know, 39 going on 29. Uh, I have yeah. no problems with him um, being a net, being a number one. Uh, is he different than let's say a Connor Hellebuck who's 28? Uh, yeah, I I think that's the case. Or you know Thatcher Demko who's kind of growing into that number one role. I'll be honest. I I don't know the ramifications whether Braden Holpe wanted to come here or not. But for two mil, he went to Dallas. I I, I don't know if Edmonton could have got him. And here's what the problem is. As I'm rambling, uh, Miko Koskinen. They still have Miko Koskinen. It's not like they have a hole, um, and they're trying to fill a spot. They, they have a goalie who actually had a pretty good season last season. You know, but yeah. of course they judge on another playoff loss this week. So which he wasn't a part of. Uh, but um, so, yeah, I, I, definitely better. And I think Ken Holland's going, you know what? 
I got Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, and it used to be when they were twenty twenty one, it was like, well, you know, we kind of have to make the playoffs with them, right? Well, now I think as they reach their mid twenties and they're twenty four, twenty five, you're thinking like making the playoffs is the minimum. That's the minimum bet here. Two bucks at the blackjack table, or five bucks, or whatever it is now. We got to play at the table where you know it goes up to two fifty or five hundred. Like they, they, they got to do something with them, and I think Ken Holland realizes that and 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 wants to, and that's why he's done what he's done. Gene Principe joining us from Sportsnet in Edmonton, and Gene, yeah, you talk about those two guys in the win now mentality. You have to in the window where they're at, but. As you look at it last year, and hey, I'm, I'm only watching it from afar. I didn't see every Oilers game. I saw them when they played the Canucks. But in my humble estimation, you know, a Hyman coming in and, and, and having some more punch up top, that was really what this team needed, wasn't it? That they, they have to balance it out a little bit maybe up there and dare I say split them up from time to time just so that you can't get a situation where like a Winnipeg can shut down one line and knock you out of the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I think that's correct. I mean, they went the first two games without any points, and they're down 2 nothing. And then the third game, they exploded, and they still lost um, and, and put up points in game four. Absolutely. You're trying to, you know, you, you, can't, you can't stop just, you know, I always use the basketball analogy. If you had Connor McDavid, LeBron James, I'm going to say, and you have uh, Leon Dreisaitl, and I know they don't play in the same team. Let's say he's KD, Kevin Durant. And then yeah. if you had another uh, third guy who's, you know, I don't know if he's Draymond Green or Kyrie Irving uh, or Clay Thompson or whoever, you know, you got those three guys who play 40-plus minutes a game, but you're in pretty good shape. First of all, one of those guys is always on, if not two, virtually speaking. Uh, but they, they got a, you know, they've got these two incredible talents, and you guys have some incredible talents there. Like, you know, I look at Elias Patterson, and I think, this guy, when he gets going this year, watch out, because I think he's going to have a fantastic year. I love Bo Horvat. He could play on my team, uh, you know, Monday through Sunday. Like, incredible player. Uh, so, and Brock Besser is another guy. Sorry, like, how good would he look? And I don't think I could get charged for tampering on a line with Leon or, or Connor. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you, do, you don't stop trying to get better. And so, with the margin so fine and so small, that Zach Kyman's a great fit. He's an incredible person from everything we've heard and seen. Uh, hell of a hockey player. I think his I think his work ethic is sort of at the top of the list, and I think that definitely rubs off on people. And so for sure, I think that's a great signing. So do you have a first line of maybe your first line is Leon Connor and Pugliarvi, and then your second is Nugent Hopkins uh, along with Yamamoto and Hyman, or maybe Hyman plays with McDavid. You know, it's amazing to say this, but the Oilers, you know, they're still kind of looking for the right guy to go with, with McDavid. Now, Nugent Hopkins is that guy, you know, great BC kid who took, you know, might be considered a hometown haircut to stay with the Oilers, uh, you know, comes from a great family. But he also plays really well with Leon, right? So if you could get two really good wingers, uh, and he can play right wing to uh, Zach, um, for sure. They got the money. I'm sure the owner is saying, spend it. Let's use it. Let's not worry. You know, people are like, well, seven-year deal. In seven years, Ken Holland might be sitting on the beach in Vernon, uh, skipping stones. Who knows what he's going to be doing? So, and who knows in seven years where we're all going to be? So, why not worry about year one, two, three, four, which takes his prime players into their late twenties, and throw in Darnell Nurse, another guy, and Nugent Hopkins, who would then be in his early thirties. I mean, let's go for it. You, you know, you got you got to go for it, and that's what Edmonton's done. And I think Oilers fans 
have to be happy with that. Are you uh, surprised, Gene, to see Tyson Berry come back to Edmonton? I mean, considering, I guess, before the expansion draft and what Seattle did, may- maybe you would have thought he wasn't coming back, but are-, are you surprised to see him end up back in Edmonton? Um, you know, a little bit. Uh, I-, I agree with you. I think the Larson thing was a domino effect. I mean, I, I honestly think if if Larson doesn't get uh, – doesn't end up basically doesn't sign with Edmonton and, and goes to Seattle. Um, I'm not sure Ethan Bear gets traded, and then I, I don't know what happens with Tyson Berry uh, because I, I think you would have had Nurse and Bear as a pairing. You would have had Keith and Larson as a pairing. You would have had Evan Bouchard, who's a tenth overall pick in 2018, as a as a on the third pairing, and then you know they got Chris Russell, who's a stay-at-home strong defenseman, or you know they got some other guys. But I think that that like that was the domino that that started things. And uh, you know the other thing is Ken Holland said it. You know Cody Cece, for example, they called the Oilers, and Cece said it himself when he saw Larson was gone. Now he sees a hole, he sees an opening, he sees a player leaving that kind of matches his style and his approach to the game. So yeah, I mean I am and I I'm not. Things change so fast, C Mac. Uh, what you know? What what you're throwing out in the garbage uh, one day, thinking you know I can't use this anymore. Uh, suddenly the next day you're going, well, wait a minute. I think I think I can. And the orders could always use Tyson Berry. It wasn't that they couldn't. It was just you know for how many years and for how what kind of price. And I got the sense listening to Tyson, who just became a dad like four days ago, um, that he probably wanted a four-year deal. So I'm you know and and why not? And the orders kind of said, we'll give you three. And uh, he was okay with that. And, and you know, C-Mac, the grass greener on the other side. You know, I look on the other side of my fence, and I might think it looks greener, but I kind of like what I got on my side of the fence. You get to play with Connor. You get to play with Leon. You get to play in Canada, kind of kind of close to his, his home. I know his parents sometimes spend time out in the coast there, uh, Len and Christine. And so, uh, you know, he, he likes the city, and he hasn't even really, you know, had a chance to enjoy it because of the pandemic. So, you know, for an extra five hundred grand somewhere after taxes, you know, I don't know a team that's maybe in the bottom third of the league. You know, Tyson is either twenty nine or thirty, so he's probably thinking, "I've played with great players in Colorado and Toronto. I got some right here. Where, where am I going to go? Like, I'm running out of superstar players to play with." So a little give and take. So I'm, I'm happy he's back. I mean, I, I think he's a great fit for the team. Well, uh, you know what, Gino, the people here think you're a great fit for us, the Dunbar Lumber Techs inbox. Marcus and Gibson's maybe your biggest fan, Gene. So Gene is right. They need to go for it, not waste the talent they have. At least if they go for it, they can say they always tried. I would hate to see yeah. McDavid and will be wasted with mediocre teams year after year, much like Mike Trout in baseball. Best players need to be in the biggest games. And, and you're, yeah. you're, you know, the Canucks have, have tried to do that here a little bit, you know, in what they've turned over this offseason. It's that win mal get in the playoff mentality. Yeah. So I'll, before we let you go, I'll ask you, like, how do you size up the division now, uh, cool. now that we're getting rid of the North? Like, you know, what, what are you looking at as far as, you know, where the Oilers fit, where the Canucks fit, Vegas, Calgary, all that sort of stuff? I know, you know, and I'm still trying to digest all of the moves yesterday. I mean, it was incredible. With a flat cap, they set a record for money spent, <laughs> yeah. not, not in signings, but in money spent. And I'm thinking, what flat cap? You know, like, you can always find a way to, to, to spend money. Um, it's going to be a heck of an interesting division. I mean, uh, you know, even Arizona, they, they've gone and done, like, a ton of things, built up a bunch of different draft picks, 
Um, you, know, you hear Phil Kessel might still be available. Vegas is, I, I mean, they're going to be good, right? San Jose, that's a bit of a, I have to remind myself who's in the division. Pardon me <laughs> after a full <laughs> yeah. season of the, the Canadian division. But I, I see Calgary stronger. I see Vancouver stronger. I see Edmonton uh, stronger. I think, I think all three will push for the playoffs. I don't know if there's enough for all three to get in, uh, but I'm going to say that two do. And I, I, I like it. I, I love these markets. Like I, you know, Jim Benning's an Edmonton guy. I went to high school with his brother, Brian. And, uh, you know, it's been a bit of a rough ride from there, but I'm happy to see him stick with it and dig in and, you know, make some, make some moves. I saw the Alex Edler thing and I thought that's got to be kind of a, you know, from the psyche of a Canucks fan, irrelevant of the, the player per se, but here's a guy that's been around what over 800 games or so with, uh, with the Canucks and, so, so you got to make some tough moves sometimes, but tough moves aren't always bad moves. Um, so I, I like what Jim has done in trying to – that's the thing. I, these teams are like, bang, bang, bang. It's not about, well, we'll get this draft pick, and then we'll – no, it's like we're doing this. Um, so I, I really like what they've done in the cities out west here and Winnipeg. I mean, they got Schmidt. They got uh, Dylan, another, you know, a, a BC guy. I mean, they, they find a way, too, to make moves. So I think it's going to be great, and – I, I kind of would have liked one season with the Canadian division just for the fans to enjoy it. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going back to what we're used to. So that's fine. As long as we have hockey and it starts in the fall, I think almost everybody would be happy with that. Totally agree with you, Gene. Thanks so much for doing this. And before we let you go, again, on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, Gene's kids aren't wrong. Three's company was brutal. Uh, and <laughs> from Christine, I just watched Top Gun with my 19-year-old daughter. She loved it. It holds up. And Rob suggests Top Gun, best movie ever. I finally let my 10-year-old watch it, and it's now his favorite movie. So, yeah, don't lose that loving feeling, buddy. Just just keep on trucking, okay? <laughs> well, listen, at your station, you know you're the Top Gun, all right, pal? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Gene. Uh, Gene Principe joining us from uh, Edmonton. Gino, thanks. Uh, have a great day. That was uh, Gene Principe, uh, covers the Oilers in Edmonton, and uh, a big Top Gun fan, Greg Ballack, uh, much to your uh, chagrin. But hey, listen, in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650, apparently it's on Netflix, so you can watch it. And, uh, you know, there's been more calls here as well for some uh, Top Gun music, uh, Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone. Yeah, great scene. Balak, when you watch the movie and you hear that song and you watch what's going on, you're going to be on the edge of your seat. Well, yeah, I, I think everyone, I think the song's probably more popular than the movie, isn't it? Like, that was that was a huge hit back in the day. Does the song make the movie or the movie make the song? You have a, why not you both? You have a chicken and egg here. Yeah, why, why not, not both? both? Yes. <laughs> like you and Why I, they just play off each other so well, you know. That's, That's right. Like the producer makes the show with the host, or the host makes the show with the. Pro- <laughs> I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but we do know one thing, Greg, that we're doing all this without Bick, and we yeah. haven't missed a beat yet. No, and and you know he's he's willing to ditch you at a moment's notice. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about uh, his preparation and 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 stuff like that that goes into the, the show. You know, it's it's just not there with Bick sometimes. It's, it's a, it's a real shame that you have to be paired with him sometimes, you know? Yeah, Marshall the bin guy. Remember, boys, no points for second place. <laughs> Remember that, Vic. No points for second place. Uh, still more to come here on Vic and the Boss, including Mr. Fix-It Ken Priestley, and we'll dive into more of what the Canucks have done over the past few days, changing the makeup and uh, doing a little shake-up of their roster. That and more when Vic and the Boss continues here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
It's time for Mr. Fix-It. Brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. Welcome back to Vic and the Boss, everybody. Craig McEwen here, and uh, pleased now to welcome uh, Mr. Fix-It, Ken Priestley. And Ken, the uh, the Dunbar Lumber text inbox is hopping today. So Greg Ballack has never seen Top Gun. And, you know, people are telling him he should, ripping him for his opinion. Um, John from Vancouver, though, says, oh, my God, enough of the Top Gun stuff. Just give it a rest. Don't hear this segment off. It makes me long for Bruff, and I'm a Leafs fan. So I won't ask you your thoughts on Top Gun, but I'm guessing you've seen the movie, and I'm guessing uh, you, you, you know exactly what that movie is all about. Yes, I, I, I have seen the movie. I've probably seen it too many times. Uh, I probably, you know, I can honestly say I might go see it in uh, when the new one comes out, but I probably won't. <laughs> it, was a, never, it, never, it was a crazy, when I was a teenager, that was a crazy movie. Everybody yes, it was. It. Yeah, for sure they did. Uh, Ken yeah. Priestley here. Um, what is your thoughts on Ken uh, you know, Jim Benning being Mr. Fix-It and, you know, turning over a, a lot of his regular roster at the NHL level and also bringing in a number of local kids at the AHL level. What did you think of the the work that Jim Benning pulled off in the past few days? I, I honestly thought it was, as a fan's point of view, I thought it was great. I mean, we've been talking for how many years now about the players that we don't want and how long, you know, they've been sort of dragging along and, and we're not getting what we pay for them. And then all of a sudden we get a couple of guys last year now who maybe want to be here, maybe don't want to be here. Um, basically we got a whole bunch of new faces that hopefully now want to be here. And um, it, it's an exciting time all of a sudden uh, where we don't have to sort of think about who we have to fill these, vo- you know, to fill these spots and why do we have them and bad trades and bad this, bad that all of a sudden it's fresh and, and uh, everybody likes fresh new things. And um, you know, this year, hopefully we get fans back in the building and we can see see a fresh new team that's excited to play. Uh, Brian from Burke mountain on the Dunbar lumber text inbox, six fifty six fifty. Luke Shen will surpass Pullman in the lineup. Don't at me. So our don't at me segment, people give submissions. I'm not so sure that Shen will pass Pullman, but Jim Benning did address the right side of the D and, and while, you know, he, he didn't go out and get a stud, couldn't afford to, especially now with the contract negotiations with Pedersen Hughes, uh, coming up. But Ken, all teams, you know, you can't have everything on your roster. And and is it fair to say that you know the, the right side doesn't play without the left side? That if the pairings work and the, and the matchups are there, that the Canucks, while on paper right now, doesn't look like they have the the best back end in the world. That that could be a real force for this hockey team. You know what we 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 don't we don't know, right? Like you, he went out and 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 Jim went out and he got some people that he thought. Uh, we're going to fix at least clean up some things that had gone wrong last year. And, uh, you know, these, these guys come in here on a, on a clean slate. They're on a, on a brand new team, brand new city, um, new teammates, obviously. Uh, they're big, they're right-handed shots. They're guys who, who 
obviously Vancouver coveted these players for a reason. And uh, I think we have to give them a chance to see how it happens. Maybe the fit wasn't good in Winnipeg. Maybe the fit wasn't good in, in, in Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay had other people for, uh, to place for, for Luke. But, you know, when he played here a couple of years ago, he did pretty well. And uh, now he's back and uh, is a physical player. And, and hopefully he fills some, uh, some, some need for a physical right-handed shot defenseman that can take uh, some minutes away from other guys. Ken Priestley, uh, Stanley Cup winner, joining us here on Vic and the Boss. And, and yeah, you mentioned that about Shen. What struck me uh, watching him play in, in Quinn Hughes' first game was how he helped the youngster. Uh, you know, there was times where it looked like he was going to pass the puck across the ice or uh, do an over in his own end and, and thought the better of it and, and made a smart play to protect Quinn Hughes. So with that type of experience and, and perhaps maybe a pairing with Rathbone at times, those veteran guys, you, you can learn a lot, can't you, from the, the guys who've been around the league a, a while, you know, in his case, won cups like you did, and, and, and they're valuable assets for the development of, of some of your younger players. In, in every sport, you always need veteran veteran stability. Um, in, in hockey, it, 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 it's huge, especially for defensemen. Uh, and, and both uh, Rathbone and Hughes, they're not big guys. They're, they're offensively skilled uh, defensemen who who need some some support from their partners in the defensive side of the game, so that these guys can go on the offensive side of the game. And uh, you know, Paul Coffey, a guy that I played with for a couple of years in Pittsburgh, there, he didn't like to play in the op- in the defensive zone, but he had he had people, all Samuelson, Larry Murphy, all these guys that were Grant Jennings, guys that stayed home to let Paul do what he needed to do, which was jump up in the play and get involved in the offense. So I think when you bring leaders that that know where they stand in the lineup and know what their job title is, um, it, it does nothing but help these young guys develop and be players that they're brought in to be. Now, one last one before we let you go, Ken. Just your thoughts on the the move with Arizona, you know, moving some money out, which obviously allowed Jim Benning to do things. But picking up, you know, Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland, what, what does that do for this hockey team? I, you know what? I, when I first heard about the, the, the trade, I, I was we obviously were very busy that day, but I heard the trade and I, I had, there was no way that I thought it was real because I didn't think that we were going to be able to get rid of what we got rid of and then bring in Ekman Larson for that. And then all of a sudden you hear on the backside of this trade that Connor Garland's coming in and it, it, it's a no brainer now. I think with the offense that, that, that he can bring to the right side uh, to, to a guy who's an established uh, NHLer who scored 20 goals in the league, and I think his upside is is only to score more. Uh, to come out of a place like Arizona, where where all of a sudden now you come into a Canadian uh, atmosphere where it's exciting again. You're playing every day in front of really really excited fans. Uh, the motivation level and the compete level in that uh, in in both those players is only going to get better. I mean, there's just there's just it's just a no-brainer that when you have been playing in Arizona, I think for for that long, yes, it's a great town and you can play golf and you can do all that. But hockey sometimes gets uh, is on is secondary. Um, now they're playing in a in a hockey excited market, and I think you'll see the best of the both those guys. 
Ken, as always, appreciate you stopping by, giving us some insight, and I uh, totally agree with you. I remember Jovo told me when I went down there for Gretzky's first uh, training camp as coach and bumped into Ed in the locker room. We'd spent, obviously, some time here, and I got to know him, and I asked him how it was down in Arizona. He called it flip-flops and board shorts is kind of the attitude, and, and that's not hockey talk, right? That, that's not no, a Canadian not. market. No, it's not. The Canadian market is totally different. And uh, I think, honestly, the, the excitement that's coming out of Vancouver right now, I, I know I can hardly wait for the season to start or for training camp to start. Uh, I think it's just going to be one of those years where we're all going to look back at what happened a couple of years ago and quickly forget about it and look what's exciting in front of us. Excellent. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Yeah, you too, Paul. See you. Ken Priestley, Mr. Fixit, uh, former Stanley Cup winner as well from Dunbar Lumber, and some uh, interesting opinions and thoughts there. And, and I really like the comparison to the Paul Coffey. You know, listen, Quinn Hughes isn't Paul Coffey yet, but he likes to play in the offensive zone. But if you get the right guys paired with him, and hopefully the Canucks have found that mixed, that that would be very important for what they do moving forward here. And uh, this in the Dunbar Lumber uh, text inbox, depth this year is YRD is much better. Last year between your Levy, Ben, Chatfield, Breezewell played 66 games. Our top seven is now better, and any of those players were and should help the guys on the upper end, meaning those uh, forwards up front. Uh, Lots of hockey talk, obviously an important time of year there, but uh, on the baseball front too, uh, the Blue Jays are uh, coming home. Finally, and, and it's hard to believe you hear the promos running on the radio station about how it's been over 600 days since the Jays have, have played in Canada. And that that's incredible to me. Uh, it feels like 600 days since this radio station has been in the in studio as we all continue to work from home here. But the, the pandemic has really shaken things up. And, and I know the Blue Jays organization has done its best to bounce around from a few places and, uh, you know, playing in Florida, playing in Buffalo. But the ability to come back to Toronto is outstanding. And I, and I know our next guest here, Ben Wagner, the voice of the Jays on Sportsnet Radio, uh, it, probably maybe Ben, in some ways you, you probably thought this day may never come that the, not only would they be back, but you'd be calling baseball again. So congrats on that buddy. And, and, and how do you feel uh, heading into this? You know what? Um, a lot of emotion just for me personally, and obviously professionally, given what the pandemic has done to, uh, formats for baseball on the TV and radio side across the game, not only Sportsnet and, and how the Blue Jays are covered, but obviously a lot of unknowns for many different people across all sorts of industries. But thankfully, baseball has been part of a fabric of normalcy for decades. And I think tomorrow we're going to take one one little step towards normalcy together. And, and I'm certainly blessed to be a part of it. But, um, you, you know, that's not lost on me, the the job that I have to do, you know, for, for Blue Jay fans and providing great radio coverage across our network. So it's, uh, it's, it's very mixed. You know, I, I feel like I got the job again, <laughs> um, <laughs> like the first day that I got hired, but I'm going to know every security guard and where to make photocopies and, and uh, you know, all the little nuances that you have to learn when you get a new job uh, is going to become very natural to me when I get back into the Rogers Center. And just to just to make sure I didn't get weepy, I actually took a trip in there today. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a it's been a fun it's been a fun. Now, what is it? Ninety six hours since I got the news. Nice, yeah, and and we can't wait because I I will say this: you do an incredible job 
But of all the sports, theater of the mind, baseball is the one, in my opinion, that translates the best on radio. And, you know, your ability to paint a picture and describe what's going on and, and, you know, we can kind of follow along in our mind's eye is so very important and nothing more enjoyable than doing that. And, and you know, hey, are, are, are you rusty? How you been preparing? What, you know, what, what's, uh, what's the game plan going into this so that you're, you know, as t- on top of your game as need be? Because I'm guessing you didn't get the spring training you normally do. No, you know what? Honestly, have not called play-by-play since walking out of the studio last October when the Blue Jays were eliminated by the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, you know, the, the decision to forego broadcast in spring training was made in the middle of February, right before we were supposed to do our first broadcast. And, you know, you know the, obviously the, 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 it was just different, right? I mean, it, it was just different, and we had to adjust quickly. So rust, who knows? Um, the good news is, I'm going to get a lot of innings and a lot of opportunity to to paint the picture and be the artist and have a blank canvas, not only for, you know, the nuances of the game and the beauty of allowing the theater of the mind to play out night in and night out. But, you know, the storytelling aspect is something that I've always tried to include in our broadcast, let alone the accurate information. So you're entertained and hopefully you walk away learning something about a player or the ball game you didn't know before you tuned in. So all of that is going to come very, very naturally for me, to be honest with you. And, you know, you, you just naturally react to what you see. And thankfully, uh, I've been doing this almost 20 years in, in the play-by-play aspect. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking back to, my, to those uh, long road warriors uh, in the minor leagues and the number of games that I've had to call by myself, including the doubleheaders, which we're going to get a dose of very quickly. All this clearly was in preparation to prepare you for something, and that something arrives tomorrow night. Ben Wagner, voice of the Blue Jays on the Sportsnet Radio Network, joining us here on Bick on the Bick and the Boss on Sportsnet 650. So, okay, uh, Jays make a move, uh, picking up Brad Hand from the Nationals in exchange for Riley Adams. Your your thoughts on this, and and for those of us out here on the West Coast, and I'll be honest with you, Ben, we've been inundated with Canucks news, hockey. Uh, follow the Jays, but probably not as closely as, as we'd like. You know, just the situation of where they're at and, and, and how they navigate the rest of this year. Well, the Blue Jays had to make some moves. They know that the bullpen has some deficiencies in it. And to be a contender and knowing that the Red Sox are potentially going to make moves, the Yankees have already started to make some moves to compete within the division, you have to get better you you are going to have to get better with the amount of games that the yankees the red sox and the tampa bay rays for that matter still have left on the schedule and all three of those teams are difficult teams to match up against the blue jays i know the yankees haven't been the yankees this year uh the red sox in my opinion have been overachieving to this point and the tampa bay rays are a really difficult matchup for the blue jays regardless of who's in there uh but the bottom line is the Blue Jays have left 17 wins this season on the table because they have blown late leads. And where those late leads have been lost is because of a letdown from the bullpen in the seventh, eighth, and even the ninth inning. And guys have had some up and down. So to address the bullpen with now three significant ads, Brad Hand today, who's going to be the closer, I think, um, you know, once he gets his, sea legs, so to speak, underneath him with the Blue Jays clubhouse and being acquired at this time when this team is about ready to go over the border. There's a lot of moving pieces in it, so I don't expect him to be here tomorrow by any stretch of the imagination. 
let him get settled and get in here, I think he becomes the closer and you have Jordan Romano then in the eighth inning, which is really a good spot for Jordan Romano, who has had some injury concerns. He's had some ineffectiveness in his pitch efficiency. So those couple of guys in the back end of the bullpen set up Trevor Richards and, um, you know, whoever else, Adam Simber and company, to be in a much better position for Charlie Montoyo and P. Walker to navigate how they utilize their bullpen night in and night out. So I still think that there are one or two more big moves that the Blue Jays have to make to really make a run at this thing. Uh, You know, the wild card standings are interesting. The division is very difficult right now for the Blue Jays, you you know, to even chase to a point where you could get number two in the division. But uh, there's that, and that speaks to how important the next 24 hour, less than 24 hours are for the Blue Jays going into the trade deadline, because you would like to have a starter. You would like to have a starter with controllability, but that's going to bang you on the back end of things in terms of what depth you've got in prospects. And I still think a number, a number one priority for the Blue Jays is to add another bullpen piece, let alone can you improve behind the plate? Can you add a third baseman on the trade deadline? So uh, there's a lot to, to digest here with the Blue Jays, all to tee up what should be a win sprint through August and then September. Ben, is I mean, listen, it's been tough for the panic for everyone, but for them in Florida, then Buffalo and Toronto, and not that you want to use excuses, but could this be a boost for the Jays to return to Canada, or is this just another kind of hurdle that's been thrown at them that it, it's going to be tough for them to jump over? It has been tough on the Blue Jays. It's an, it's an untold story, and hopefully, eventually, the players and the coaches and the front office members that have had to navigate what is essentially an entire major league season on the road. 161 games for the Blue Jays have been played since they last left Rogers Center on September the 29th in 2019. Think about that. If you had to spend an entire year on the road doing your job, that is extremely difficult for them to go through the 60 game pandemic shortened season last year, make the playoffs to have the success and be as competitive as they are this year. Uh, is extremely difficult and and go through four different moves now within the first four months of the season. Um, Very taxing, taxing on the players, just professionally, extremely taxing on the friends, the family, the support network that are with these guys. So for them to hold it together physically and mentally uh, to go through this. And, and I know the knee jerk reaction of everybody is like, I mean, they are paid very handsomely for their job. Yeah. But, you still have to physically go through all these processes and, you know, figuring out where to live, whether you're making 20 bucks an hour or $2,000 an hour is still a lot of hurdles and and hoops to jump through. So there are processes, you know, that we just don't know that these guys have gone through. So for them to get a chance to be at home, be settled, have the luxury of being in a ballpark that is their own with everything that is afforded to a major league lifestyle and getting ready for major league baseball. Plus then, and let's not forget about this. So many times in Dunedin, they were not the home team when they took the field. That's a very, very stout Atlanta fan base. The Tampa Bay Rays scooped up all the tickets and they were clearly and, and audibly the road team when they were there. The Phillies have a small traveling party. Uh, that were very boisterous there, difficult and frustrating. Who wants to play a home game and be heckled in their own ballpark? Things were better in Buffalo, but not Blue Jay fan base. Uh, Clearly, the Yankees and the Red Sox were one-sided atmosphere. Again, 
that would became very apparent. And I was there uh, when, you know, the tide, tide, the tide kind of turned for uh, the frustration of the players playing in Buffalo. It was time. And the time is now for the Blue Jays to come back home and let 15,000 feel like 50 because it's going to make a difference tomorrow night. Uh, ben, just before we let you go, just one final question for me, you know, outside of the obvious and, and calling the ball game, what are you most looking forward to uh, when you, you know, return there and, and see Blue Jays fans, see Blue Jays team, all that sort of stuff? What, what, what's the thing you're looking forward to the most? Well, the energy. Nothing, nothing compares uh, that moment from an opening day, a Canada day, an opportunity to watch a team with a big win, whether it's a walk-off or, you know, game-winning base hit late in a ballgame, to feel the energy of that ballpark, knowing that everybody in unison jumps out of their chair and is cheering for the Blue Jays. That kind of energy is organic, and it should make the hair stand up on your arm or the back of your neck. That, to me, is going to be an incredibly moving moment, and the Blue Jays are going to blow it out tomorrow with the pregame ceremonies, and we'll have all that covered on TV and radio for you. Uh, that's one of the big things. But for me, working in sports, it's about, it's about the relationships. You know, the conversations that you have when you can be on the field, talk with the coaches, talk with the players, and be connected versus this virtual thing that we've all been, uh, <laughs> been succumbed to, <laughs> you know, the last year and a half. Um, and, of course, it's easy to point to the field and that kind. But you know what? I- I'm looking forward to giving a fist bump to Doug, the security guard that's always situated at the base of the steps at the end of the Blue Jays' dugout. Uh, my guy, Matt, who-, who operates the door at the press box, uh, we've lost some people behind the scenes, you know, uh, including a guy named Jay that took-, took my meal money every day. And he was the kindest and most welcoming person to me when I got the job. And, you know, there's going to be some voids, little things like that. Uh, connect to me very deeply and on a personal level and to get all that back is going to be a big big thing for me and I, I hope that translates to the excitement and the energy and the emotion that will hit the radio airwaves tomorrow night i'm sure it will ben thanks so much for doing this appreciate it good luck tomorrow and, and enjoy the moment because as you said earlier a little bit of normalcy sure goes a long way right now and hopefully we take a big step tomorrow and i look forward to talking with everybody in vancouver over the weekend again Excellent. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Uh, Have a great day. Ben Wagner, the voice of the Blue Jays for the uh, Sportsnet Radio Network, joining us here on Bick and the Boss and putting a nice bow on a a very interesting show today. Thank all the guests, Israel Fair, John Garrett, Gene Principe, Ken Priestley, Ben Wagner, and of course, Greg Ballack, who I know tonight will be going home and watching Top Gun. I might. I'm considering it. I was listening. I was jamming out to this while you were talking to Ben. And it's getting me fired up, C-Mac. It's getting me fired up for some Top Gun potentially this weekend. We'll see. Yes, excellent. And we are fired up for uh, the People Show coming up here next on a Sportsnet 650. And, you know, if I was really prepared, Balak, I would know who's coming up on the People Show. But as I quickly look at my notes, uh, today Brad Hunt, the Canucks defenseman joining, Ian McIntyre, Chris Abbott, and Justin Bourne. We'll be joining Dan Sat and Randeep here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.